Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Lovely to be here. And uh, greetings from Armadale, not too far away, down the hill. And we also got some good rain yesterday or the day before as well. So praise God for that. Let me get myself sorted. Great. So um, you might have picked up from my accent, I am South African. Uh, please don't mention the crickets because it's not looking good for us. Any other Africans in the house? Good. There we go. Welcome. I'm feeling, I'm feeling part of, of the, the vibe and the tribe. So that's great. So my name is Neil Walford and uh, I am from the Armadale City Church. And I've been in um, Armadale since January, so we have only just recently moved over from South Africa. I'm from a city called Richards Bay, which is a coastal city on uh, the east coast of South Africa. And uh, miraculously, in many ways, we're here. And I just want to share a little bit of our story because it fits with the message this morning and uh, let you know... uh, how we got here and what's happening, because I feel the message will encourage you. So I think we've got some slides, so if we can get the first picture up, that'll be great. So that's my family, and I know I'm very blessed. Uh, I've got the most beautiful wife on planet Earth. I'm sure you would agree with me. So that's Charmaine, and then I have two children, Kristen, who is 10, and Joshua, the very cute guy, who is four, and uh, I just recently found out that when kids turn four, they become like crazy, boys especially, so he is seriously full of energy. So as I said, we came from South Africa, the last 20 years in South Africa, I uh, was a pastor in an Assemblies of God church, and um, at the beginning of last year, we felt a stirring that things were about to change, we had four options, uh, and three of them fell apart within the first five months. And at the middle of the year, last year, we realized that maybe God wants us to move to Australia. I have family in Armadale, so we thought if we're going to move to Australia, we have to move to Armadale. There's no point living on, in another town uh, thousands or hundreds of kilometers away. And then out of the blue, I got a link to a job in Armadale with a a not a non-profit organization called Young Life, and got the job. We moved here in January and started working in February, and it's been quite a ride. But along the way, uh, if you're from Africa, you'll understand visas. You know that, that ugly word called a visa. So we've had some visa issues. So we took the step of faith uh, to come over here to start working, and whilst the visa is being processed, we will just work. Uh, essentially unpaid, so volunteer basis. Well, that carried on for seven months. So I got my first salary in August. So we went seven months without uh, a cent, and our South African rands don't do much uh, good in Australia. Um, And then in June last year, or sorry, in June this year, whilst we're going through this whole thing, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. So she had a lump in her right breast about the size of an egg. Uh, I don't know how she didn't realize it was there, but she didn't. And uh, popped out 
and she had two operations in July here in Tamworth to remove the, the lump. And uh, we're now in week four of chemotherapy, four of 24 weeks. Uh, so it's quite a process. Um, but one of the things that we uh, realize in all of this is that we're still blessed in the test. So although we've had some challenges, God has been with us through thick and through thin. And uh, just also in July, my dad who lives here had a triple bypass. So we've had all kinds of things happening in our lives. And um, just realizing that even all this that is taking place, God is for us. So we are not on Medicare. So all our medical bills, we have to pay cash. So, uh, but again, God makes a, makes a plan and we had a uh, started a GoFundMe page, which did amazingly well. So we're, we're actually in a good place right now, despite all of that. My wife, unfortunately, lost, has lost her blonde hair. She, was, she is now no hair. So uh, that's the joys of chemotherapy. Um, you lose all the hair for a while. So with that in mind, if we go to the next slide, I want to share this morning a message entitled Breathing Room. And I'm pretty sure... At this time of year, many of you are feeling a little bit tired, weary. Maybe you're a bit flaked out. You're holding on till the Christmas holidays. Um, and this message is for you. So is there anyone that's feeling a bit tired this morning? You think, you know, life's been a bit rough. Okay, praise God. At least I'm preaching to some people uh, this morning. So uh, breathing room. Uh, particularly this time of year, I think life and in our region with the drought and that, there's pressure. Things are not as easy. They don't flow as well. And uh, I think all of us are facing different trials as we go along. But we need to have some breathing room. So next slide is a well-known scripture just to remind us of where to start. So Jesus gives us this invitation. You know, God always makes the first move. He always invites us. So come, he says. Come to me. So not to come to a program or come to an idea. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Uh, isn't that an encouraging verse? It's not a, a program or a plan. It's a personal invitation to a loving God to bring our cares, to bring our problems to him. And as that verse continues, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Anybody need some rest for your soul? Anybody stressed and worried about the future? Well, this is the invitation for you. Come to me and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke is easy because you're joined with Jesus. He's carrying the bulk of the weight as we journey into our future. So if we go to the next slide, I read this quote the other day and it just blew me away. Next slide, please. It's coming. There we go. This quote really spoke to me in what we're facing as a family and just the pressure we're under. Um, breathing room is the space between your pace and your limits. Can we say that again? Breathing room is the space between your pace and your limits. So breathing room 
gives you a sustainable lifestyle. If you don't have any breathing room, then you're going to run out of gas. So many years ago, uh, when I was a little bit younger and a lot fitter, I ran two ultra marathons called the Comrades Marathon in South Africa. So it's a 90-kilometer race. Only people who are not right in the head do it. I realized that afterwards. And the whole thing with this ultra marathon is that the race only really begins after 60 kilometers. So you need to get to the 60-kilometer mark with energy and some, some, uh, some juice left in the tank. Both times I ran the comrades, I did not adhere to that principle. I went through halfway feeling great and pushed it too hard, and the last 30 kilometers were terrible. So when it comes to breathing room, and for us to run this race that God has given us with endurance, we need to make sure we don't push ourselves to the limit for too long because then we burn out. And that's not going to help us at all in our witness, in our life, in being able to do the things God wants us to do. So breathing room helps us to have a sustainable lifestyle. Now, for most of us, I think, particularly as we come to the end of the year, that breathing room gets narrower and smaller as we go into the months towards Christmas. Now, I know a few people who have a lot of breathing room. They, they look like they're so chilled, they're going to just freeze up because they're doing so little. I know a few people like that. I know nobody is like that in here. Uh, you're on the other side probably where you've got stuff to do and not enough time to do it. Hello? And as the year draws to a close, you realize, man, there's still lots to do. And I don't have enough time. And you start pushing it. You increase your pace and that space between your pace and your limit gets less and less. And the danger is if you continue like that, you are in danger of burning out. So what I didn't mention earlier on in our story is when I flew into Australia, into Armadale in November to get to meet the team that I work with at Young Life, that very day I arrived, news came of my brother who lives in Armadale that he had made some bad mistakes and was in serious burnout. So he's been recovering the last eight months. Uh, he's just started a job again uh, a month ago and has recovered quite well. But the problem with his burnout was nobody knew about it. He had a mask on his face and he made everyone feel or think that everything was okay. His pace was not sustainable. So if we go to the next slide, there's a great story in the Bible of something similar, and it's the story of Elijah. And 1 Kings chapter 19, I just want to read a few verses. Um, Elijah, this amazing man of God that did some crazy stuff. We need an Elijah here, you know. It didn't pray for three and a half years, and what did he do? He prayed. And what happened? The drought was broken. We're talking about a serious prophet of God, but he had a meltdown because his pace was too, was too quick. The space between his limit and his pace got too small, and he burnt out. So it says this in, in um, 1, Corinthians, oh, sorry, 1 Kings 19. It says, now Ahab, before this, they had this major victory for God on Mount Carmel. Elijah, the hero. God 
pitching up in power, and you would think, happy ending. So it carries on, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel, she was the queen of Israel, she was a wicked woman, sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now they were, you know, there had been a drought. So wilderness, there was nothing there. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. This great hero wanted his life to end. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread, baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by his food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. I love this next part. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me. Talk about having a pity party. He really was in a bad place. So there's just three points from this message that, uh, or from this passage that we need to take note of. So if we just click a couple of times there, we'll have them. So Elijah, number one, was burnt out. He was disillusioned. He wanted to die. He didn't see a future. He had lost hope all because he received a death threat, and then he believed the lie, and the lie was, I'm the only one left. I'm the only person who has stood for God. And God refutes that lie, says, nah, sorry, there are still 7,000, not seven or 70 or 700, there's still 7,000 people who worship me faithfully. God had to smash that lie to smithereens, and then God does an amazing thing. He repositions Elijah and reinvigorates him with purpose. You know, God doesn't say to Elijah, oh, I'm so sorry, man. You're burnt out. It's been tough. Take Take a week off. Go on a sabbatical. God says, this is what I want you to do. Go and anoint this one, do this, do this, do this. Gave him purpose. And that's quite strange when you think of it. When you think of Someone is burnt out, you would think they need rest. They need to recover. And there is a part of that in the story where Elijah fell asleep under the broom bush and an angel came and fed him. That's pretty miraculous. But sometimes the problem with burnout is not that you're busy, because most of us are busy. It's that you're busy doing the stuff you're not supposed to be doing. You need to be doing what God has called you to do, which often means you need to say no to some of the other distractions of life. Amen? Okay, next slide, please. So we have this great Psalm 23. You've got some really 
well-known verses being shared this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters where he restores my soul. When we are struggling with breathing room, this is a great place to be. To understand that God is personal. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not someone else's. He's my shepherd. And I shall not be in want. I have all that I need. We might not see that manifest right now, but the truth is we have all that we need because God is all that we need. And then he takes us, he leads us to lie down in green pastures where there's refreshing, where there is quiet waters. Sometimes when we are frazzled and running around like headless chickens, the best thing we can do is just be quiet and practice that verse that says, be still and know that I am God. Just to quieten the voices of the world that are trying to push us and prompt us to carry on running at a pace that we cannot sustain. Sometimes we need to stop and say, God, speak to me. What do you want me to hear, to know, and to do? So in our journey as a family over the last six months, that's played a massive role in us staying sane. It's just, Lord, we trust you. You are our shepherd. You are leading us. Show us what you want us to do now. So we purposely don't focus on the future at the moment. You know, Charmaine, my wife, is in week four of 24 weeks of chemo. After that, she has another six weeks of radiation. We're not even talking that. We can't handle that right now. We're dealing with the next step. And um, as Psalm 23 carries on, even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because we know God is with us. Uh, you've heard that saying, I'm sure, when you're going through hell, don't stop. When you're going through the valley, it's not when you are living in the valley, when you're stuck there. No, no, you go through it. Sometimes you have to go through the valley to get to a better valley where there is green pasture. I'm glad you like that. Cool. Next slide, please. Another well-known verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. When it comes to living a sustainable life that is not just busy, but productive. There's a big difference between being busy and being productive, being effective, particularly when it comes to who we are as Christians and our calling that we've received from God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So we need to trust Him with all of our being, in everything. And that's sometimes difficult. Uh, two years ago, uh, I went through a crisis of faith. Now, that was not my, my saving faith. I was secure in my salvation. But we went through a time in our family where I was second-guessing God. I wasn't quite sure if he really, really had my best interests in heart, at heart. And I had a wrestling match for about six months of, God, I don't know if I trust you. And as a man, we do what we do best which is we make a plan. So I came up with a whole bunch of plans to sort my life out, and needless to say, none of them worked. You know, 
Lean not on your own understanding. So at the end of this process, I reluctantly in many respects fell before God and said, God, I actually need to give you everything and trust you in everything. That time and that struggle, I think, is what has helped us to remain steadfast in God through the last 10 months, uh, where we've faced some massive challenges, but we've been at peace. We've really felt in our hearts, you know what, God's in this, God's with us. We don't understand why these things are happening, but that's okay. He understands, and we are very, very strong in our conviction that God's going to bring us through. In all your ways, submit to Him, and this is the outcome. When we do that, He will make your paths straight. Or other versions say, He will direct your paths. As we let go and let God, so He has the freedom to lead us to those green pastures, to those quiet waters. So if we go to the next slide, thank you. I want to just share five brief points in creating breathing room that I hope will encourage you. I hope they will help you. They're simple. It's no new fresh revelation. It's just doing some basic things well and helping us to end the year well. Because if we end this year well, well, guess what? We set ourselves up to start next year better. Isn't that a good idea? Okay, so point one, creating breathing room. The first point is increase your capacity. Remember, breathing room is the space between your pace and your limits. So increase your limit, increase your capacity. That's not comfortable because that involves stretching. And we don't really like that. But the truth is, all the trials and tribulations that you face coming up to this point have actually played a role, whether you maybe understand it or appreciate it or not, to stretch you, to grow you. Your capacity now, I'm pretty sure, is a lot more than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So if we want to increase our breathing room, maybe it's time we allow God to stretch us a bit more. We grow. We develop ourselves a little bit more. The second way to create more breathing room is to slow your pace. Just slow down a little bit. Now that's easier said than done because the demands of life are there in the work environment. Uh, I'm not sure how it is here in Australia, but in South Africa, you need to put in your time and more. And if you don't like it, find another job. I think you guys are maybe a little bit more gentle in that regard. So slowing down is not that easy, but it is imperative so that we increase our breathing room. The other thing with slowing your pace, and maybe this is more for us guys, is stop trying to be the hero. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to solve every problem. Hello? There are other people that can also play a role in that. Stop and breathe. As I said, I'm a runner. And one of the things I've learned is that if your pace is not sustainable, you end really badly. If you pace it right and you have energy at the end, 
then you're able to finish strong, you feel better about life, and you accomplish the goals that you are aiming at. When you go out too fast, you seldom run a great time. So slow down, stop and breathe, take a little bit of time to think about what you're doing, where you're going, how quickly you are traveling. And then the third point in creating breathing, breathing room is simple, but not that simple. Say yes. Say yes to God. When he gives you that invitation and he holds out his hand and says, come, come to me. I will give you rest. Say yes. Don't let pride get in the way. One of the reasons my brother burnt out is because he never, out of pride, asked for help, received help. He thought he had to be the hero and hold it all together. Say yes to God and say yes to other people. The beauty of the church, the thing I love about the church is that there are so many people who are looking for an opportunity to bless, to serve, to help. One of the reasons why our family is able to work through this process that we're going through right now is we have countless people who are on our side praying for us, supporting us, cooking meals for us. We have a, a support crew that is carrying us through. And I think that is what church is all about. Being there for each other through thick and through thin. So say yes. Say yes to God. Say yes to his plan. And if you need to ask for help and change some things, say yes to change. Then number four, it's the opposite. Say no. <laughs> say no to stuff that's going to increase your pace. Say no to things that are not part of God's plan. You know, there's that amazing passage in Hebrews 12 that says, throw off the things. Get rid of the sin that entangles and run the race. Sometimes we have to say no. And I found there's a lot of people out there, that is one of the most difficult things for them to do. They struggle to say no. And because of that, they heap more and more pressure on themselves and they can't deliver because they're trying to do too much. Say no. He has another point with regards to saying no. Saying no to the lie that says this, that my identity is found in what I do. Ah, uh -uh. that's not the truth. Your identity is found in what Jesus says and what God says about you. You are a child of God. You are loved. You are beloved. You're more than enough. Not in what you do. And then the final point is do the basics well. This great story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19 is an amazing example of the power of the basics. So what did God do first? He didn't speak to him. God gave him food because he probably hadn't eaten for ages. And then he slept. If you want to create breathing room in your life, make sure you have the basics in place. Get a good night's sleep. Eat a healthy diet. Do some exercise. Get some of those basics in place. Now, if you are a parent of young children, I don't know about the sleep thing. God, God must help you there. My son is four, and I still have to get up for him in the night. It's the worst thing, you know. He's four years old. You almost want to lock him in his room and 
tell him to get on with it. But we can't do that. We won't do that. So uh, rest, sleep, eat well, look after yourself. There you go. I've got two minutes left. Fantastic. So maybe the worship team can come up. And I just want to pray for you as we close. So thank you for listening. And hopefully you've got something out of this morning's message. So can I ask you to bow your heads, to close your eyes, and we're just going to give God an opportunity to minister into hearts this morning. So with your eyes closed, with your heads bowed, I want to ask you this morning, are you struggling with your pace, with breathing room? You're on the limit and you know something needs to change. You're weary, you're worn out, and you're like, God, I need some help this morning. If that is you, can I just ask you to raise your hand? And I want to pray specifically for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure, a lot of hands. Honesty is the first step to restoration. So thank you. So I want to pray specifically for you, but for all of us, because we don't know what is around the corner. And my prayer is that God would just come and do something mighty in your life, that peace would replace stress, that energy would replace tiredness, and that God would do something great for you. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for each and every person here, that they are loved by you, that you have a great plan for their lives. For those who've raised their hands and said, I'm at the limit, I need help. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to them? Would you come, as we've read, restore their soul, refresh their bodies, rejuvenate their spirits, lift them up out of this difficult time. And then, Lord, I pray that you would give them action steps to start changing things that need to change. Be it saying no to something, saying yes to you more, whatever it may be, may you come and make it clear as you did in that story of Elijah, come and restore and set us on into the future with great vigor and zeal. Father, I thank you for this church. Bless it. Be with every single person here that we would shine our lights for Jesus with joy and love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.